Welcome back to this Builder Funnel Radio original mini series, Sales Mastery for Remodelers and Custom Builders with Brian Kaplan. Brian is a construction business coach who's changing the perspective of remodelers and builders like you from blue collar help to professional business owners. In this episode, Brian and I go inside the mind of your buyer. We talk about some of the psychological elements at play and give you the context you need to connect faster and more effectively with your prospects. Let's get into the show. Hey guys, welcome back to episode two of this original mini series here on Builder Funnel Radio. This is Sales Mastery for Remodelers and Custom Builders with Brian Kaplan. Brian, welcome back. Awesome to be here. Thanks, Spencer. Yeah, I'm excited for the continuation of the conversation. You know, I think, I don't know, over the years, I've just realized that, you know, all of our businesses, they're project businesses, they're service businesses, and that basically means you're a sales and marketing organization. You just happen to do remodeling or you happen to do custom <laughs> building. So I think this yeah. topic, I mean, it's critical for anybody that wants to keep their business moving forward. In this episode, we want to kind of do a deeper dive into the prospective client and what they're really thinking. You know, we get into kind of the psychology of things. I guess to just kick it off high level, why is this important? It feels a little bit, you know, outside of the realm of what you would normally think of with sales when you think about psychology. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And there's no question about it. it, it we're going to get a, a tiny bit sciencey in today's episode, but I think it's really fundamental for understanding some of the things that your clients or, or prospects are showing you that you're not capturing, you're not aware of. And part of it is just understanding how and part of this is just reflecting on ourselves. How are our buying patterns? What are we thinking in certain situations? And so when we have an understanding of what is going on behind the scenes and behind someone's mind, really, it helps to shape how we're actually going to walk them through this journey. The psychology component probably isn't something that a lot of people think of for a long time as a remodeler and custom home builder. I didn't really think about it either. You know, we, we kind of think of we're going to present a professional image. We're going to present an estimate. We're going to meet a client and discuss and try to establish some relationship and hope that they make that decision. But we weren't really applying any of the sort of scientific psychology, you know, psychological sort of principles here to actually getting to that outcome. Yeah. And so when you say we're going to get sciencey, I guess, uh, how <laughs> sciencey are we getting? And, you know, what are the, the components that we're looking at here? I think I haven't taken science class in, uh, in quite a few years. So, <laughs> well, you know, knowing like, knowing that, you know, the, the listenership here and the audience probably doesn't want a scientific lesson, we're going to keep it super high level and just, you know, specify a couple parts of where decisions get made in our brains and, and really kind of leave it at that and talk a little bit more about, kind of the emotional side of the, you know, prospective buyer and kind of what stages they kind of go through and some of the things that influence them, you know, what they're really feeling in general, whether it's just, you know, we're going to hear me dip a little bit into the actual construction process today as well, just in terms of what their mindset is like, because really, it's really important that we're aware of where they are when we first meet them, but also all the way through the entire process, we have to really be cognizant of where they are emotionally. 
And then, you know, really what a client wants, like just kind of understanding from a very primal level what they want. You'll hear, you know, Spencer, you're, you're in the marketing world, then you know, we talk about kind of some of those primal instincts that come out in marketing, right? And how do we really connect with people quickly and, and speak to a message that solves a problem for them and that gets them to say that's right and, and all of that. And it's no different in the sales process. So, you know, we really have to kind of use some of that sort of primal instinct to really connect with people because at the end of the day, they do have to know, like, and trust you to do business with you. Yeah, that makes sense. And so are you starting to get into kind of just hitting on emotions or, you know, what kind of areas of the the brain that we're talking about? Or you know, Yeah, guess, exactly. What, what happens well, we, Yeah. So we'll, we'll jump in and, and, you know, it's really a bit of both, right? And so first and foremost, you know, in our brains, we have a bunch of different areas that are responsible for a bunch of different things that we deal with on a daily basis as humans. And, you know, you probably heard the term before that clients buy an emotion and we probably just say, okay, and we accept that. And we say that that makes sense. But really, what does that really mean? And what sort of emotions are we talking about? And what sort of scale of emotion are we talking about? So what I really mean by this is understanding that yes, clients will buy on an emotional connection to something. Again, I always bring up the, the, you know, the brand Nike because Nike does a great job of basically instilling emotion inside of any of their messaging that goes out there. Again, they're a commodity-based shoe company that that does celebrate great athletes and great athletics. So when you watch one of their commercials, you're inspired to go get a new pair of Nikes and go for a run, right? So they're actually driving you to an emotional connection. Now, on the flip side of this, when we talk about remodeling or custom home building, there's just a lot of fear out there in terms of your prospect's mind, right? Because it's something that they don't fully really understand. And ultimately, they don't want to get taken advantage of and they don't want to land in kind of, I don't want to call it the loser pile, but basically, in you know, they don't want to land on a 911 renovation, 911 show kind of thing. On Yeah, on they don't want to make a big mistake or anything like that. Exactly. Yeah. So if we unpack it a little bit, in all of us, we have something called the limbic system. And the limbic system is really what is in control of our sort of general demeanor, our emotions. And it also serves some of those, what we call autonomic processes, which is like breathing and, and all of these sorts of things. So the best way to think about it is that it kind of handles our survival instincts is really, really what it comes down to. And right in the center of our brain, there's something called the amygdala, which is Basically, that center, and it's this tiny little thing, but it is responsible for how you feel on a daily basis. It's responsible for that rush of emotion that happens when you see an emergency happen or, you know, you see some accident happen and you get that rush, that wave of, you know, adrenaline and all of that. That's all controlled by the amygdala. And so what we're trying to do throughout this entire process of meeting somebody, getting to know them and helping to walk them through kind of this emotional journey is we're trying to control that fear response that they have. Because when people are threatened, we have that, you know, we've all heard it before, that fright or flight reflex. And again, that's that's kind of what's, you know, the center of the amygdala. So when we're threatened, we tend to run. And what we're trying not to do is, of course, let our prospects run away from us. Yeah, that's the worst. We don't want anyone ghosting us or anything like that. <laughs> so, so okay. So we're talking about the brain and you've got these different pieces. And so we've got the, you mentioned the fear piece, I guess, and we're yeah, trying to avoid right. that. So how does that start to play out when you're in a meeting and you're like, how can you leverage this information? It seems like, okay, this is good to know, but 
how does that how do we, fear how do we make piece? it actionable? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sure. You know, I'm thinking, okay, I, I like, you know, science and, and psychology, but this is starting to get down to that level where we're going, okay. <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, for sure. On? I'm sure you could go a lot deeper, but yeah, for I'm just sure. curious, what's the translation look like in a real setting? So we have the limbic system, which is our emotional center. And then we have, you know, something called the prefrontal cortex, which is really where our logic brain is in our, in our bodies. And so this is where we start to, in a, when we're not threatened, when we don't have that rush of emotion, this is where we get to that place of thinking about something for the components of it. Here's a great example. Think about if you've ever had, I mean, a lot of people listening to this are entrepreneurs. You have a great idea, right? You get super excited, right? There's this rush of excitement and emotion. You start thinking about it and it feels like, there's limitless possibilities here, right? I think we've all, as entrepreneurs, know this feeling. This. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, as on the flip side of that, we know that true success is about saying no to that 95% of these ideas. So let's follow this little journey a bit. We get excited, we we go up. You know, we're kind of really pumped up about this, and then time passes, right? And time is the greatest cure of all, right? As we know. As we start to come down off this emotional roller coaster, this is where our logic center starts to pull in and starts to deduce what is the reality of doing something like this? How easy is this going to be? These initial thoughts I had that were clouded in some emotion are now seemingly very challenging. And so this is the normal thought process for anybody, right? As I said, hopefully giving that example, people just thought about something that they came up with and recognize that emotional journey that we all go on. And so when we talk about, you know, basically meeting with a prospect, helping to start to discover, you know, or walk through the journey of what it's going to like be like to build their project, whether it's with you or with anybody else, there's that initial rush. There's that initial excitement. That is our limbic system, right? That is basically controlling that and giving ourselves, feeding ourselves endorphins, whatever chemical reactions happening to make us feel a certain way. At a certain point though, our logic brain starts to take over and we start to, you know, we start to think about the realities of it. And then our emotional center still is active because we start to go a little bit towards fear. And so one of the big things that we talk about when we say, okay, how do we make this realization, this understanding of emotional logic, how do we make it actionable? Well, what we want to always focus on is the future outcome. So the future outcome is just like that first rise on the emotional scale where we have an idea, we get excited about it. That's the future outcome for your prospects. This is the concept of them putting on an addition or remodeling their house or building a new house, right? That's the excitement part. That's the future outcome. And so what we're always trying to do through the sales process is be cognizant of that, keep them out of that emotional fear response, but keep them focused on the future outcome. And oftentimes, you know, we talk about this in terms of not getting into feature conversations. So what is a feature conversation? A feature conversation is uh, we're chatting about, you know, building, you know, I know Spencer, you're building a house right now. So we're talking about building your house and we start getting into the nitty gritty details about something. And that's what we call a feature conversation. That takes your brain away from the overall future outcome, because now you're focused on different things. Maybe perhaps it's money, it's time, it's other stressors or fear, potential fear responses in your brain that could come into play here. And so, the message I'm giving out is not to say, don't talk about these different little things, but when you are in that early relationship building or discovery period of getting to know each other with a new prospect, we really want to keep it as high level as we can. We want to keep it very focused on that future outcome. Here's a great example I'll give you. I, I give this to everybody. Imagine that you called me and you said, we want to, we want, you call and you say, we want to remodel our main floor because we really want to make it an open concept and, and open it all up. And so, so we say, 
great. I could go in there as a builder and I'm sure remodelers and builders listening to this probably can attest to this. Sometimes you go in there and you know, you, we think that we need to be the authority in the room. So we start predicting all of the technical things that have to happen, right? Just like we said at the beginning of this, we're getting a little sciency, which is not necessarily completely relatable. Same sort of thing when we talk about your clients or your prospects, they don't really care about a load bearing wall. They don't really care about supporting these joists. So you can do this to widen the staircase. What they're more focused on is I want to be able to think about where is the position of the sink so that, and where are my kids going to play more frequently? Are they inside or outside? Do I want to be able to have a view of the backyard or a view to the living room of my, of my main floor? So that's a great example of where feature conversation would be. Let's talk technical beams and posts and footings and foundations versus, you know, using your, your, your child's name. So if I said to you, you know, when Carter's playing here in the front living room, you'll be able to sit and watch that when you're entertaining and hosting your guests, you know, you'll have this view of your dining room. So it'll be all connected. And that's a great example of, again, continuing to focus on that feature or sorry, that future outcome and not the features. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. And I mean, I like that you talked about the technical aspect because I feel like all of us in whatever our craft is, you know, mine is, you know, digital marketing for everyone listening. A lot of you, it's building, remodeling. And so we get jazzed about all the little details. Like you're getting jazzed about the the limbic system and, you know, talking about the, the science and, you know, and that's a, that's a good thing. You know, you should have that knowledge, but I think you made a really good point, which is, that's probably not what your customer really cares about. And if they do care about it, they probably don't care about it yet. And they may never care about it, to be honest. But uh, yeah, I, I think those are good examples of the future outcome. You know, a lot of times I think I even sometimes just get stuck at the surface level, like, oh, I just want it to look so much better. Or, you know, but if you really drill into the little details, like you're mentioning, like that view to the backyard or the view to the living room or picturing your family over in the kitchen and sitting on the bar stools and, you know, it's Thanksgiving or whatever. But if you can kind of start painting those pictures and, and asking lots of questions, then I could see how you would probably start guiding them away from the fear. And they're more on the, Hey, this is going to be awesome when this is all said and done. Is that basically what we're trying to accomplish to steer them towards that more positive emotion um, with that part of the, the brain? Yeah, for sure. And, and really what it comes down to is when we say people buy on emotion, we're trying to keep them excited about the project. We're trying to keep them on that upslope and we're really trying to build relationship and rapport with them. And so, you know, subtle little things like using their names, using their kids' names um, or anybody specific to some of the goals that they've mentioned to you at the outset of the conversation. These are all little sort of social cues that we can use to help continue to build that relationship. But again, focus heavily on that sort of fun, happiness kind of place, as opposed to we start getting technical, it's something people don't understand. And, you know, they, they end up, you know, going into these little mental rabbit holes that we are very hard to climb out of. So um, <laughs> yeah, don't want to get stuck truth. in those. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, I mean, people buy on emotion, but we also need a balance of logic here. And that's kind of what the message is. So we want to use the future outcomes to help guide us there. The logic component of it is really just helping them, you know, or asking kind of the questions so that it positions us as the authority without us having to be, you know, exhibiting that. We never want to be the smartest person in the room, even if we are, right? And what I mean by that is we don't want to be sort of preaching, so to speak. We want to be able to kind of collaborate and help a client ask the right questions of us and us ask the right questions of them so that they can see that we can demonstrate that body of knowledge. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's really important. So what else do we need to know about what the, the client is really thinking? Yeah. Well, I mean, first and foremost, it's no surprise and secret that about what I'm going to say is that we all have, you know, mass media to thank for some of the commoditization that's happened in the construction industry over the past you know, I don't know how long, how many decades, <laughs> yeah, but a while. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been a while. As we know, we see homes being built in seven days on TV. We know the reality. Everybody listening to this is probably shaking their head right now, maybe honking their horn, who knows. But uh, the reality is, is that we have mass media to thank for a lot of sort of the misinformation that's out there. And ultimately, it's important that we understand like our clients or prospects, they don't really know what they don't know. They might know a little bit enough to be dangerous because they've spent a lot of time watching, you know, home and garden television television or, or whatever, but ultimately they really don't know what they don't know. And it's our role to be the demonstrative authority in this position. So they also have relatives, parents, uncles, aunts, um, you know, uncle Bob's always got something to say about what something should cost or how it should be done. And, um, yeah, or he know, could do it cheaper or <laughs> he could do it cheaper. Right. Which has a whole other mini series, but, um, oh, man. But, yeah. but, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, these, as we, we can kind of group everybody up to say, it's like these self-proclaimed experts. Right. And, and that's kind of another body of people that we have to thank for some of the misinformation. And I think some of the direction in which a client or a prospect approaches us. Again, it's, it's really comes from a bit of a fear response. They don't want to be taken advantage of. They don't want to, you know, they want to be a winner. They don't want to be a loser kind of thing in this whole exchange. And so people come to us with guarded perceptions, right, of what it should be and how the process should work. And it's our role to really carefully sort of unpack that. And so that's really, yeah, that's really how they come to us in terms of mindset. Yeah. So they're coming to you. They've got the guard walls are up. They've got probably a lot of bad information that's been fed to them. They have really high expectations. <laughs> so how do we start to combat that or work against that without just kind of being that kind of hard charging? I know everything. I'm going to tell you how it is kind of personality. For sure. You know, the first thing I'll say is that we know that there's a lot of competition out there. I hear it from, you know, all of my clients and people that are in my classes and things like that as well. Ultimately, number one thing I tell them is that if you're, if you're in a competitive market and you know that you are going to be, you know, people are going to be speaking to multiple people, which, you know, we both know that that's a reality. People it's do. just going to happen. Yeah. It's the shopping thing, you know, I know. whether I we talk like to it or people not. And they say, they're like, I only want to be the one company that somebody talks to. I'm like, that's yeah. great. We all want that, but it's just not going to happen with everybody. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, you know, there are those unicorn clients out there that will, you know, uh, you know, we've had a few, but in my entire career, I, it's less than what I can count on one hand. So the point is, is yeah, people are going to shop. They are going to get other people's opinions and all of that. So, you know, a top tip I would give everybody is be the first person in the room because as humans, uh, we do something called, you know, we have like a belief system, but we, you know, the easiest way to think about this is measuring sticks. So we always measure against our first incepted idea. So whatever, it could be anything. If you think about something in your own personal life, you know, you are hearing, say you're shopping for insurance. The first person you speak to is going to explain something to you. The next time you speak to somebody, you're actually going to be going through the mental process of qualifying the first person's information. And, you know, again, you're using them to sort of judge each other. And so if you are, you know, a professional remodeler or a custom home builder listening to this, and you have a great process and a great presentation, be that first person in the room. Because once you do that, again, they're going to measure, this prospect is now going to measure every single person they speak to after against you. Oftentimes, 
Just the subtle positioning of this, in other words, being the first person as opposed to the last person can change the impact of your presentation, can change the perception in a client's mind just from a really like almost primal level of how they view you. And so, you know, again, using that concept of measuring sticks is really, really critical. Yeah. This is just a random side question on that. If you can't be first, is it better to be last than in the middle or does it not really matter if it's after, if you're not first, then you're just battling against not being first. Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, I have to think about this one a little bit because I don't know if there's a diminishing return to be in the middle versus the end. Personally, I just know that, you know, if I first experience something every other person I speak to or every other experience I have that's related to that, I'm always going to measure against the first thing. I think sometimes I've seen that we've come in at the end and I feel like people have moved through their emotional journey in terms of their decision-making process and probably close to the end, they already have a sense of who they might you know, be leaning towards. And that feels like a really steep sort of mountain to overcome. So it's a great question. Um, One I'm going to continue to think about. So, (laughs) you know, (laughs) as we know with sales, there's no right or wrong answer here, right? It's all contextual. It's all about who you are, how you project, how you sell, what your process is, what the product is that you offer, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, it's always just food for thought. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I I like how you use the concept of anchoring with being first. Uh, I typically hear about it with price, you know, and so you might walk in and say, Hey, well, you know, you might be thinking that I'm going to charge you half a million dollars for this edition, but you know, and then you work it and it's like, it's really a $200,000 project, but that person then starts with that anchor high. So you kind of hear about strategies like that, but I like that you talked about it in a different context. I'm sure there's lots of different ways to leverage anchoring. But with this be the first person in the room, it kind of made me think, you know, obviously we're marketers. I'm always biased towards marketing, (laughs) but it makes a big push to to do effective marketing because that means you're going to get found first. You'll probably be able to book the first meeting as long as you you make an effort to to move quickly once that lead comes in. For sure. But yeah, I like um, I like that concept of anchoring. I think it's a it's a powerful tool that you can use. Yeah, we all know that, you know, when we see something that's like $100 and it, there's a and there's an extra and it's for sale for $17 right now, but only until, you know, you know, 24 hours from now kind of thing, it's that that price anchoring can be fairly effective. It's definitely a commodity thing a little bit in, in when I think about it and it's not necessarily a strategy that we always employ, but there's definitely, you know, there's sales books out there and yeah, that tactic out there that that's been widely used for sure. Yeah. So what else should we be thinking about in the kind of this psychology bucket and what the the client's thinking about? For sure. Well, coming back, you know, the one of the most, you know, important things is just to understand that your clients have just a ton of fear surrounding this, right? Even the most powerful people that you meet that seem like they're in complete control, they might very well be shaking in their boots when they think about this, right? Because it puts them into a position where, especially if they don't know a lot about it, or they haven't remodeled or built a custom home before, they're only going off of what Uncle Bob and, you know, the media outlets are telling them in their experiences with maybe colleagues at work that have gone through these projects as well. So they really don't know what they don't know. And so, Really what it comes down to is, I always give this analogy, you picture your client or your prospect, they're sitting in the, what's the front of a train called, the locomotive? I always ask this and I never, I never, I never yeah. know the answer. The I engine, guess it's like, uh, yeah. I always think like the engine room, but it's not really an engine room and uh, it's definitely yeah. not the caboose. So just picture you're in the front part, right? Yeah, the yeah, the, the front <laughs> car, yeah. <laughs> 
And maybe maybe someone can correct me if locomotives. Yeah, I'll go ask my grandpa. He's a huge train guy. So there you go. Shaking it, he'd be so disappointed in me for not knowing this. <laughs> uh, grandpa, if you're listening, we're sorry. So, yeah. um, <laughs> but um, you know, so imagine we're sitting there and you've got all these controls, and you know, the client is sitting in that seat again, just like I said a moment ago. They don't know what they don't know, and so, but we're asking them to steer this train, right? We're asking them to drive the train, and what they tend to do. And we see this a lot, especially through a project, is they start pulling on all these different levers. But in the sales process, it's things like, oh, we spoke to somebody else and they suggested this, or we got some information about pricing here, X, Y, Z kind of thing. So there's all these little things that a client will do or prospect will do because they're trying to gain control of the train, right? They're trying. And what, what happens oftentimes is they're pulling these levers and the train actually is speeding up. They can't they can't hit the brakes. And so, you know, I always kind of give this analogy or you can think of like free falling in a dream, right? You wake up, you know, we've all had those dreams where you're, you're falling and you wake up and you're, you're kind of startled a little bit, you know, chances are your client is feeling that same fear response, that emotional response that you wake up with. They're feeling that when they think of their project. And I know for us as builders and remodelers, we don't see it that way, right? We don't have that same level of fear, but it's important that we recognize that that is what your prospect, that is what your client, especially going through the construction project, really feels like. Yeah. I was just thinking about that. I like the analogy. I was just picturing somebody kind of pulling all the levers and steering it and you're like, <laughs> yeah. okay, this is turning into a disaster quickly. So, so knowing that they have all this fear, I know you said stay focused on the positive outcome, but are there other things that you can do to kind of help them see it through your lens or just, I don't know, I guess give them some more comfort in these moments that like, Hey, it's, it'll be all right. And we can kind of mitigate some of that, that fear. For sure. And, you know, I think part of this is coming up when we talk about in a couple episodes from now, when we talk about your sales process, we talk about what it does your sales process look like. And, and then the next episode, we're also going to really talk about kind of this concept called emotional intelligence and what, what role that plays, not only in your sales process, but the actual construction process as well. But to touch on this briefly, you know, really what it comes down to is, you know, you want your clients to always understand what is the next step. What is the next thing that you're asking of them? And what's the next thing you're going to do for them? Whether again, it's in this early discovery period where you're forming this relationship and discussing what the, uh, what the possibility of working together looks like, or it's actually in the construction process, we always want to be sort of proactive in this whole exchange. We never want a client, I always say, we never want a client to see our busyness through the lack of interaction that we have. And so if I unpack that statement a little bit, what it really means is you've got five projects, 10 projects, however many you have going on at the same time, your client's not dumb. They know that you have other projects or other prospects that you're speaking with. But the only thing that's really important to them coming back to episode one, right, is them. They don't really care about you and your other clients. They only care about their own projects. So we always have to have that client filter, that client lens to understand that it's on us to take them through this journey step by step. Um, it doesn't have to be big swooping steps. It can be little micro commitments. We always talk about in the sales process, right? Advancing people through our pipeline is about little incremental steps that we can get them to commit to. So being proactive, being in front of the conversation and the things that we want them to do strong call to actions is really critical. And then the most important part, of course, is the follow through, right? Not only for them, but especially for you as kind of the professional leading them through this. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's really powerful. And I, I feel like too, like with more information, people always feel more confident. And I always talk about that on the marketing side too. That's mm-hmm. why we all like to do our own research today with the magic, you know, Google box, we can go and just <laughs> learn anything yeah. we want. And I mean, it really has been this big shift from people having to go to the salesperson to get all the information to now being able to start with Google or like you said, the media. And so, you know, we just like to have information, whether we know if it's correct or not is another discussion, but, uh, you know, so I, I like that, that point of, you know, Hey, if you're always just communicating what the next step is, people feel more comfortable. If you're giving them good information about how it works, then they feel a little bit better. So, yeah, I think that's, that's really good. Just clear communication. It's funny in, in business and life, a lot of things just come back to communication. <laughs> if you can just make oh, it yeah. simple and clear, like you solve a lot of problems. For sure. And I think oftentimes we really struggle with that one as humans, right? We think we get into the, what we call the complexity of doom, right? And we think that every communication has got to be perfect. We think that every document we create has got to be perfect and the process has to be perfect. And look, I'm here to shatter that and say that life is very imperfect. It's messy. It's gray. It is not black and white. And so ultimately the best thing that you can do, have a process and stick to it, but also be adaptable, right? And be able to flex inside of that. But really what we're talking about here is reading kind of your client's emotions. It's just understanding where they are in their journey and being able to be kind of adaptive, but, you know, again, proactive and helping to guide them through it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's awesome. And I think, you know, we've uncovered a lot of these points around, okay, so now we're going into the sales conversation. We can anchor by being first. We can focus on the future outcome, try to remove some of these fears. Is there anything else that's really important in kind of the psychology section of the sales process? And what Yeah, for about? sure. For sure. And we could go on, I could go on for hours about yeah. this because I, <laughs> I actually just find it fascinating. And again, it's not something that in my like 20 plus year career, I really thought too much about at least, you know, in the first decade or so, I would say, but it's just, you know, observation over time that has, you know, helped me sort of uncover or think about like, why are they reacting the way that they're reacting? And so, yeah, again, I could go on for hours, but I think a really important thing, and I said it a little bit earlier in today's podcast, is you know just understanding that your clients really don't want to be in that sort of loser group, right? They want to be in the winner group, right? And that's really what it comes down to. And so when we talk about just even from that marketing piece, right? We talk about brand association and all of that. You know, it's about that reputation, right? What do people say about us is really, really critical. And so when it comes to that sales process, We've got to, you know, go into it understanding that, you know, someone's outcome is that they they literally have a problem, which is they need to either expand their home because their their family's growing, maybe their in-laws are coming in or they have an aging in place concern, so they want to remodel their house, whatever the motivation is for it, it's really important that you know, we just recognize they want to win at the end of the day, right? No one wants to lose. It's why when you watch a movie and the guy gets the girl, or the girl gets the guy, whatever, whichever way it happens here, everyone's happy, right? It closes that story loop and the hero wins and, and you know, and, and it's great. There's a reason that movies are so popular, right? Is because that's how we're wired as humans. So just remembering that, again, you know, avoiding defeat is crucial for human survival. Instinctively, we talked about the amygdala, we talked about the limbic system. That is how we satisfy that. That's how we reduce that fear threshold, right? That that kind of response. And and one other point I'll add here is that, you know, that kind of response modulates. It goes up and down throughout the process, right? Of not only just being a prospect, but also in that construction process. So just being very aware of reading your client and understanding 
where they're at. You know, at the time of recording this, we're in the coronavirus still and something that we started talking about very early on when this all happened and, you know, a bunch of consultants that do what I do and coaches out there calling up your clients and just asking them a few simple words like, Hey, how are you doing? How are you managing? It's not about anything to do with their project. If you're currently remodeling or building with them, it's, you know, if they're a past client, it's not about calling them and saying, Hey, do you want to do a project kind of thing? Cause we've got some gaps in our schedule right now. And even our prospects, right? It doesn't actually have to be about pipeline velocity, right? We talk about that is how quickly we can move somebody through the stages in our pipeline or our sales process. It's really just about kind of connecting with people and understanding some of this emotional part, right? That fear just kind of modulates up and down on a daily basis for all of us. And so, you know, just knowing we want to win as humans, we're in neat, like nobody ever you know, no sports athlete would ever go on camera and say, well, you know, we gave it our best shot and I'm happy that we lost. <laughs> you know, that's, that's just not the reality, right? So we all want to win. And so, and so basically, you know, going into it with that understanding is, is super important. Yeah. As you were talking about that, I realized it ties back to, I've seen a couple of remodelers and, and custom builders too, but use this idea of like the remodeling roller coaster and mm-hmm. it's the, describes the you know, timeline through the construction project, but you, you hit those highs, you know, typically in design and, you know, you hit the lows where there's just like, everything's a mess and, you know, you're, you're in the middle of the project. But I think that's, yeah, it's a good point to kind of recognize that 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 will probably happen in the, well, will definitely happen during the construction phase, but it's probably still going to happen a little bit in the sales process. Even maybe it's not as high or low of lows as during the project, but if you can recognize that and go, Oh, people kind of around, meeting two or three or whatever it is, they kind of hit this lull, then you can work to build things into your process that will counteract that. For sure. No, without question. And, and I think that, uh, you know, we talk about that, you know, the emotional roller coaster of, uh, you know, the client journey kind of thing. Those are, as we, as we always joke about, those are popular words right now, client experience, client journey, but just understanding kind of that modulation of how that fear kind of rises at certain points and lowers at certain points as you said, like design is exciting, demos exciting, and then framing's exciting, and then it feels like nothing happens for a very long period of time. <laughs> What's right? happening here? <laughs> <laughs> you know, clients don't see massive transformation, and so that's where they start to you know get into a bit of a lull, and just all these little thoughts start creeping in. Right? Think about if you've ever had like a water leak or any foundation people that do waterproofing. Just think about how you watch water kind of percolate through a foundation. That's the image to think about. These are all the little thoughts, the little nagging fears that come into a client's mind, whether it's in that sales process or it's in the construction process. Like that is kind of what we're talking about. That's how, you know, these things sort of happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. Well, Brian, I guess any final thoughts on, on this section and then maybe let everyone know what are we talking about next uh, episode in episode three? Yeah, for sure. So I always love to talk about this story because it was always so impactful for me. I always talk about kind of this magic blue pill of experience. And so for any people that are familiar with the Matrix series of movies, you know that there's this moment in time where Keanu Reeves, who plays uh, Neo, is given either the blue pill or the red pill. And I can I can never remember actually which color shows him the truth and which one doesn't. But, <laughs> yeah, I can't um, remember. It's been a while. I need to go I use it, it as just an anchor here in terms of getting us into that mindset. And, and there's a scene in the, I think it's in the original Matrix movie where Trinity, who's played by Carrie Moss, she has to fly an Apache helicopter, right? And attack helicopter. They have to get in this helicopter. She has no idea how to do this. Within 10 seconds, her operator, her tech support person is able to upload, you know, the complete instruction manual into her brain. 
again, very futuristic here, but the point of the story is that it's all about kind of the, you know, if you could in your sales process, help a client instantly understand what the difference is going to be from hiring or working with you than it is to working with somebody else, there probably wouldn't be a need for this podcast series is the reality because you'd be able to just upload this to them and then boom, they would understand it. And probably most of you listening to this have gone through an experience where you've quoted a project, met somebody, quoted a project, didn't get it, and then heard from them later on to say, hey, we kind of made a mistake or we're in trouble. Could you help us or whatever it is? I think all of us have stories like that. And ultimately, what you're trying to do in that sales process, a lot of the stuff we talked about today from that emotional side is just understanding how do we bring down someone's level of resistance when we first meet them? How do we internalize how they're thinking and then use that for our own projection, the words, the phrases, and even just the process of how we walk them through emotionally? And so, you know, again, if you could have that 10 second upload into someone's mind, you know, a lot of this wouldn't be necessary, but That'd be really, nice. yeah. we can't short cycle this, right? At least not yet. So yeah, fingers um, crossed. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it kind of bleeds into something we teased a, a few moments ago and something that we're going to dive into in our next episode, which is really kind of the role of what we talk about when we say emotional intelligence, right? And, and that's really just being you know, aware of a lot of the things that we talked about today especially that modulation in someone's fear response, right? Being able to recognize what someone's saying without the words that they're saying it with and just really being able to be proactive and just emotional intelligence is like being aware and being receptive and responsive to that and just being able to modulate our own frequency, so to speak, to be able to, to meet them where they're at. Yeah, and I'm excited to dive into that. And I, I think as you were kind of wrapping up this episode, I always think about topics like this with psychology where it it feels a little bit heavy it's a little bit deeper and yeah. and i feel like a little less tactical but i maybe you could equate it to you probably come up with a better analogy i feel like you always have good ones i i never have good ones but maybe this is like <laughs> the foundation right so we're thinking about yeah. the sales process and what we're going to get into in the next several episodes and some of those things will feel a lot more tactical and i know whenever i'm learning something you kind of want to just get to like what can i just do now yeah. but i found over the years that sometimes the most important stuff is actually those foundational pieces like this one so I'd encourage you to go back and, and re-listen to this or maybe pull some of the examples that Brian shared and, and just think about them when you've got your next couple of sales calls coming up this week or next week and think about this conversation and how you can start to you know, paint that future outcome or mitigate some of those fears. And yeah, so I think, think this is really good stuff. And Brian, thanks for sharing. And I'm excited to, to dig into this a little bit deeper in episode three. So thanks guys for listening. We'll see you on the next one. I hope you got a lot out of that conversation today. I know I definitely did. And some of the key takeaways are remembering that people buy on emotion, but we do need to involve logic to a degree. Your prospects are being influenced by the media, relatives, and other self-proclaimed experts. So you want to be the first one in the room so they anchor themselves to you and use that to compare against others. And don't forget to help the client see the process from your lens educate them and work to put them at ease. All right, guys, that's it for episode two. We'll see you back here for episode three.